my name is Mark Aaronsberg. I got my podcast. Listen to me. Check me out. Here we go, baby. This is gonna last. This episode is brought to you by Crater Lake Taxi. Competent drivers, clean vehicles, on time, anytime. Crater Lake Taxi, 541-333-3333. I am Citizen 44. Please listen carefully. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to a double shot of Citizen 44. I have two fine gentlemen on the show today. Uh, The first being Mr. Stephen Coucher, the ultimate busker here in Ashland, Oregon. Plays all over town with his banjo and brings a smile to many faces most days of the week. If I sound a little funny, it's because I'm still sick. I've got a sore throat and uh, I got some things. But uh, the show must go on, as they say, so on I am. My second guest is Mr. Jeff Stanley. Uh, Jeff Stanley is one of the most talented guitar players, singers, songwriters I've ever met. And genuinely a sweet, funny, goofy man. And uh, I'm glad both of these gentlemen uh, honored me with their presence and uh, shared their stories with me. The smoke is cleared pretty much here in Ashland. But uh, what remains is me being sick. Now, I'm not necessarily sick from the smoke, but certainly it hasn't helped. Actually, I I have to be honest with you. I'm fairly certain that having a couple of drinks with a friend uh, set this whole thing off. I am fully aware that my immune system can be easily compromised by alcohol. And I must have been on the verge of sick and then a little bit of Maker's Mark and a beer later, and uh, feeling like shit, and have been so for almost a week now. But that's fine. I've been home doing some thinking and some editing and some this and some that, and uh, getting some mental work and some physical work done, even though I'm not in the taxi. And speaking of the taxi, it is definitely uh, out. I am done with the taxi after I go to Thailand. I had kind of a terrible night the other night, and I, I think it was a mixture of me being sick and having to transport some undesirable people that I would never in a million years spend a minute of their time with me and me with them, nor or take their money or provide any service whatsoever for them. Uh, so this got me on the thinking path of what am I to do next? Well, I don't know. I spoke to my friend Pat in L.A. the other day. And he, a few years ago, worked for FEMA uh, after Katrina uh, doing uh, disaster assistance. And so that's something that's possible for me. I actually mentioned that to Val, my ex. And uh, that could be uh, something uh, very powerful, a powerful experience. So I'm thinking about that. And frankly, I really don't know what I'm going to do. But it's no emergency. I don't need to come up with those answers right now. Everything else is pretty good. Uh, the kids are good. Uh, rode the electric bike the other day. Hadn't ridden for a long time. Rode all the way to Medford to Vim and uh, hung out with Louie. Had some Thai food and uh, turned around and rode home and then came to work. I think that was uh, a couple of days ago now. 
Yeah, I I am not going to be going to work today. I just really am not feeling up to it. And uh, I'm off tomorrow. I feel like I've only driven the cab maybe a day in the past week or two, uh, which means I'm not making any money either, which is fine. I mean, I'm sick, so I, I don't want to impose my ill health on other people. And frankly, I'm not feeling jovial or in the mood to entertain those that enter the cab. As a matter of fact, uh, the night before last, a friend of mine had gotten in the cab at about 4 a.m., and he was my last ride. It was a group of about four people, and he, he remained uh, in the cab and uh, asked if I was okay. And I just blurted out, I hate my fucking job, which I don't hate my job, but I don't like it as much as I used to, and it's just time for a change. It's time for me to do something else. And to be honest with you, I'd love to do this full time, but it doesn't pay any money. I do it for the love. I mean, I do get a little money from Joe, and hopefully that will continue if I continue to advertise him and Crater Lake Taxi. But if not, I just need to find some new sponsors and uh, go in a new direction with the advertising aspect. But uh, my hope is somewhere down the road that I can uh, monetize this project and, and make it the thing that I do that leads to other things that I love to do and want to do. But needless to say, I right now drive the taxi through till the end of October. And then at the end of October, I will jump on a plane, go to L.A., hang out with my family a bit, kiss them goodbye, and then head to Thailand for a month. And who knows what's going to happen in Thailand. Frankly, you know, I've got this idea, and, and Boo corrected me last night. She said there was one, but I have never seen a pizza by the slice place, a place where you can just get a slice of pizza and a soda or a beer. And she said that there is a place across from Big C, which in uh, Thailand does not stand for cancer. Big C is their large department store that's in, in, in uh, every major city. And she said there's a little Thai market out in the parking lot, and there's a guy selling slices of horrible pizza. So I think that something could happen, that someone had the wherewithal, could open a chain of pizza by the slice stores, little pizza shacks, things, in every mall, and uh, make a fortune. So, there's something. Talking to Boo about it, and uh, talking to my friends, Nick and Johnny, and Mike, and Matthew, and, and Jay, about these things, and we'll see. I mean, frankly, I'd love to get into something while I'm there. But if not, I will come back, or you know, head to the Florida coast and see if I can help those folks over there doing some things. But uh, again, I don't have any plans right now. Just getting better would be great. I'll take that. I'm using the new mic, the Blue Raspberry, and uh, I hope it sounds good. Should sound good. Sounded good before. Should sound good today. And I, I'm just a little low energy today. A little low energy. High-spirited, but low energy. Uh, I went up to the grocery store. I hadn't been in the grocery store for a while, and I picked up some juicing stuff, some carrots, some super greens, and uh, some grapefruit because I want to drop some LBs. And I read last night online that grapefruit is one of these natural things that helps you uh, lose weight, aside from uh, not eating ice cream every day and chocolate and all kinds of other sugary, shitty things, which I was doing for about a week. And I kind of used the excuse of... Uh, 
the uh, Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory, which is literally a one and a half minute walk for me. Very dangerous. I mean, if I don't have any willpower at the time, it's very dangerous. But there's a young man named Connor over there who's got a Thai girlfriend. Uh, he's probably 20-something-something, and she was an exchange student. And he speaks and reads Thai. So we've had this cool little bonding thing. I haven't yet introduced him to Boo. We haven't had that phone call available uh, while I'm over there. Also, Kendra over there, who's very sweet. And uh, so I've been going over there and getting things. And uh, I've stopped. So I, I can pop in there and say hello. I don't, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a chocoholic. I'm not an addict. Uh, but I, I can go in and say hello and uh, check in on uh, Connor and uh, maybe get a conversation going between he and Boo. Uh, Boo had her wisdom tooth pulled two days ago and uh, is fairly uncomfortable. I don't think she realized what she was in for. And perhaps the... Uh, the place or the people that do the kind of stuff there are not quite as high-tech as they are here in the States, but uh, she'll be fine in about a week, probably. She's pretty swollen and uncomfortable, and I watched her gingerly feed herself. And, uh-oh, there is uh, something from May. May is this adorable young blonde person who's one of my customers in the taxi, and she says, what days are you free at a reasonable hour for celebratory beverages. And I guess she's celebrating maybe that she has completed her nursing school because I don't necessarily have anything to celebrate, but maybe she knows something I don't know. But uh, we have a nice rapport, and I, I've invited her to have coffee with me, and she was sick for about a week herself, and for whatever reason, I felt I needed to check in with her every day and did. And... Uh, and so now perhaps a friendship can develop. But we'll see. I mean, there's no reason a friendship cannot develop. We have, uh, we have interest in each other in that way. Speaking of, Boo and I are doing great. Everything's fine. Uh, you know, it's time marches on. We're getting closer to me being there and uh, getting my hernia procedure done. Speaking of, you know, I've only saved about $800 towards my trip. Now, I already have my ticket. Uh, going and coming. I also have my round trip ticket to LA, so I'm, I'm cool there, but uh, the money is slow in coming. I've been looking for some graphic design work uh, to supplement uh, the lack of taxi business. I mean, the smoke totally choked our flow, man. It was so dead over the past month that I really made very little money, but uh, I always get bailed out. I'm doing some graphic design for Doug, the Lucky Doug Fergus Project, for his uh, recent uh, recording of the song Canadian Woman with Sylvia Massey, which we uh, discussed last week, shot the video for. And so now I get to do some branding and some website design and, and other things, which will be fun. And, and Doug is a very generous man and will, will pay me handsomely for my work. So that's cool. I'll probably make a few hundred bucks off that. And then again, I'm looking on Craigslist for some things, but... I'm putting the energy out there, so I will get what I want, as I told you I usually do. I, I merely have to be super grateful for what I have, and I will receive what I need. So there you go. Anyway, we're going to make this short and sweet in the beginning and get on to the show. Again, we have uh, Mr. Stephen Coucher, super sweet guy. Before I left for Thailand, he actually gave me a picture of a taxi, uh, a postcard to take with me. Uh, very nice. 
and he's a talented guy and uh, uh, a very interesting, uh, good-natured man. And then we got, of course, Mr. Jeff Stanley, kooky pants. Love Jeff Stanley. And I don't mean kooky pants in a negative way. He's a free-spirited guy. He may have his troubles, uh, but he uh, he's definitely fun to hang out with, and I loved playing music with him when we played uh, together in the Stamps. So uh, here we go. Let's get on with the show. So you're known by a few names. You're Esteban, Steven, Steve. What's your name, man? Steven George Coucher is my full name. Coucher? Coucher. K-A-U-C-H-E-R. It's an old German name. Okay. And is if that I was in Germany, I'd be, it would be pronounced Kaucher. Jawohl. There was a romantic German poet in the 19th century named Stefan Georg. Georg is, is uh, Georgian German. Okay. And Stefan is Steven in German. So your family's from Germany? Well, no, a long time ago, you know. Well, I know, but at some point, that's yeah, where things well, started. Maybe. I was from a place called Kaiserslautern. Kaiserslautern. I mean, I wasn't, but my ancestry way back. How was, far back? Well, I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you. But I do know the, the position is only 40 miles from the Alsace-Lorraine border huh. back. I might have French-Jewish in me from way huh. back. It's, to, it's possible anybody in Europe could possibly have that, you know. And so that's the Well, deal. do you have Jewish in you from recent times? That's a long, no, that's a short story. Well, made we long. have time. I mean, well, I'll you know, tell you, man. Tell story. It, I'll tell you, it's, uh, I have a, a daughter and her two grandchildren are from Israel. Oh, I didn't I mean, know half, you had children. Man. I got two grandchildren. I had a daughter and two grandchildren. And her husband is, is Israeli. Secular, yeah. se- completely secular Jewish right. guy, you know. So you're at least attached or associated with Judaism in some way, for sure. Yeah, when I was growing up, I played a rock and roll version of Havana Gila at a bar mitzvah and a, and a Jewish wedding yeah. back. I think we met at Bloomsbury, yes or oh, no? Oh, yeah, or long, yeah, quite How a long ago. Well, it was before you went to Thailand. Well, it was well before I went to Thailand because it wasn't even before I was driving a taxi. I think so. You were doing something else at the time. Well, I, I started driving a taxi two years ago in 2015 in the summer. Well, it must have been before that. Okay. So, but it was definitely at Bloomsbury. Absolutely. And we're talking about Bloomsbury Coffee, which is downtown, which is a great place run by Dave and Terry. Absolutely. And uh, all the cool folks. Go. I, have, I haven't been going there lately because I wake up at 6.30 in the morning and I don't want to wait two and a half hours for coffee. So, I go, to, so I go to Case. Oh, what time do they open? Seven. And you live close by? Yeah, kind of down, you know, down Siskiyou ways. So do you walk or do you drive over? I drive over there. Yeah, okay. Because I have to take, you know, I would walk, but I have a banjo, a folding chair, and a tip bucket. Do you do that every day? Just about it. It's my routine, yeah. Where do you can, where, oh, you can do it at the co-op every day, of course. Yeah, I, after I get through at uh, Case, I usually read for a while there and drink an Americano, and, you know, you can get a free refill. Where, at Case? Case, yeah. Huh? It's really good. I think it's the best coffee around. How did you end up in Ashland? Well, okay, I'll tell you. In the 90s, I was in San Diego living and working there in electronics. Yeah. And I worked there for about 15 years. What were you doing in electronics? Oh, just assembly and plating and, you know, just, you know, mechanical assembly, all right. different kinds of things, you know, with calipers and pH meters and you name it, you know, I, I was into it for yeah. a while. My dad died in 1999, and they were in Phoenix at the time. My Arizona? Mom and, no, Mom and Dad were in Phoenix, Oregon. Oh, okay, okay. And so when my dad passed away in 99, I left my mom all alone. So what I did is I came up here in 2000 to 
take care of her, and I took care of her for 11 years. Right. It was a job of work, you know. I was. Was she ill? Well, she was old, you know. She was. How old was she when she? She was. Passed? She was one month shy of her 94th birthday. Okay. She, you know, a long had a long run. She was pretty good in her mid 80s, but then when as she got closer, she had some strokes and macular and. Right. Diabetes, so I had to give her insulin and take her blood sugar all the time, you know, and things like that. She got pretty frustrated near the end because she's always been so able to do things for herself, you know. But first, you know, it was cane, then it was walker, then it was wheelchair. Right. And that that order of things. After she passed, I moved to Ashland. And then what were you doing when you came here? Well, I was getting my Social Security. Okay. Then I decided that I'm going to become an entrepreneurial busker. And it's paid off very well. Why don't you tell people what a busker is? Because not everybody knows. Well, a busker is a street musician who plays for tips. Right. Some places are better than others. Like I do the Tuesday market and the Saturday market in town here. So you do it with your banjo. How long have you been playing banjo? I started in 2003. What instrument were you playing before that? Hand drums, voice. I've been singing ever since I was knee-high to a cricket. (laughs) <laughs> Did you teach yourself how to play banjo? I, I taught myself how to play banjo. Okay. And at first, I thought to myself, it's like tapping your head and rubbing your stomach like being or a vice versa. Yeah. However, at first I thought, is it really possible for me to sing and play banjo at the same time? And at first I didn't think I could do it, but little by little, I taught myself how to do it. I persevered with that. Well, you're really good, man. I mean, you totally you. figured Thank it you. out. To quote the talking heads, I got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, you do. I mean, I watch you play all the time and... But also the other instruments I was playing was I played harmonica and I took piano lessons. I was in college choir, high school choir, junior high school choir. I was a ringer at an Episcopalian church for a while. I'll have to explain what that is. That's somebody that they plan into their chorus at the at the Episcopalian church and they pay you because you can improve the sound of the choir. Do they literally call you a ringer? That's called a ringer. Okay. Well, I mean, I get the term. I just <laughs> never heard it put in that context yeah, before. Really? Yeah, well, that's, that's what I did, you know. Huh. Yeah. Where's your family from, your mom and dad? Well, my dad was from Cincinnati, Ohio, and my mom was born in Evanston, Wyoming. Okay. But when she was one years old, she moved to Ogden, Utah. Okay. She was from a big family, you know. She had seven siblings. And what did your dad do back in the day? Well, he was a merchant marine at one point. He got drafted into the Army. He was in the German theater in the Quartermaster Corps, and he drove a truck, I do believe. I was born in 47, so. Okay, and he was done. Yeah, I was okay. a baby boomer. What did he do after he got out of the service? No, he backtracked a little bit. He okay. was in the Merchant Marine, and he went traveled all the way. He went to Australia and Kauai and stuff like that. Through the this. Merchant Marine. He was really bummed out when he was drafted. He did not want to go to, in the Army at all. Of course, I, I take after that in a way, because during the Vietnam War, I was a conscientious objector. Okay. I did alternate service. What does that mean? Well, that means I, I worked for the Forces Service, went for four months fighting forest fires. So you were able to negotiate that? Yeah, and... I did that for four months, and then I also worked in, in Sonoma State Hospital taking care of the mentally disabled. So I had those two types wow, of jobs. Wow, what a great trade-off, actually. Yeah. I got this old hillbilly song I do, and one of the lines in it is, Hardest work ever I did, fighting forest fires. Easiest work ever I did, exposing dirty liars. <laughs> you know, the ultimate spoonerism is spork and foon. Spork and foon? <laughs> yeah. I made up a song today, it goes like this. Don't go ballistic, go banjoistic, it's very surrealistic, when you go banjoistic, oh yeah. 
That's that's a simple song. Here's one that I played on the radio the other day at, at the Grows Market. It's called the Neurotransmitter Song. It's one of my favorite little brain children, you know. Last beat, Nick standing, all right. Hey, Neurotransmitter, stretch your stuff. I beat diamond in the road, little rope around the edges, jumping over topiary hedges. All right, now come on now. To my senses, to a higher frequency, verify, clarify, verify. All right, now come on now, one more time. Hey, neurotransmitter, stretch your stuff. I'll be a diamond in the rough. Little rubber on the edges. Jumping over hope topiary hedges. Last beat, Nick standing. I love those chords, man. Those, that's fucking. That's a, that's a great scale. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I'm just playing I don't by know ear. Either, but, but I, I really like that's a great. Well, I sound. do some other things like this is, for example, this is another one that I do. I call it kind of like banjo raga, and it's got vocalese and banjo together. kind of things because I did meet Ravi Shankar at his house I don't know who that well, he's is. a sitar player from India one of the great masters of sitar how did you end up meeting him well when I was working in San Diego I was on a world music list it was a mailing list for world music okay. society in town okay. and uh, I got a flyer in the mail inviting me to Ravi Shankar's house his mansion in Encinitas to hear a concert of his students and I went there, and it was, they had a big vegetarian East Indian feast afterwards. Mm. And I got to meet Ravi and his and his students, and, and since then they've become pretty famous. You ever heard of Ry Cooter? Sure. Well, Ry Cooter played an album with this guy that has a, called Mohan Bhatt. Mm. It's called a Vena Guitar. It's a guitar that he constructed himself in this okay. album. I think it's called Meeting by the River, and it's on the Water Lily Acoustics label. And it's really incredible stuff. You know, I love a lot of different kinds of music. You know, I'm kind of eclectic in my approach. Everything from Johann Sebastian Bach to Thelonious Monk. Everything before, in between, and after. No, I've listened to you play for years, and you've <laughs> yeah. got quite a little repertoire there, man. Yeah, I'm working on it. You know, I worked at a Bob Dylan song the other day. It's Bob Dylan's Blues. What's here? It's a very early Bob Dylan. A lot of people don't know it, but it's really kind of bluesy. Ain't it hard to stumble? in somebody's lagoon, oh yeah, ain't it hard to stumble and 
land in some muddy lagoon Where it's six below zero and it's three o'clock in the afternoon Ain't gonna hang no picture Ain't gonna hang no picture frame But I feel just like Jesse James I got my dark sunglasses And the good luck from my black tooth Woo! Got my dark sunglasses And the good luck from my black tooth Don't ask me anything about nothing I just might tell you the truth Well, I wish I was some Australian mountain range. Good day, mate. I wish I was on some Australian mountain range. I don't have no reason to be there, but I imagine it'd be some kind of change. One more time back to the original verse. Ain't it hard to stumble and land in some muddy lagoon? That's Dylan? Yeah, it's a Bob Dylan song. Very early Dylan, you know, when he's probably hanging out at Greenwich Village clubs or something. Were your parents musicians at all? Not even. Nothing. I jokingly tell people that the aliens left me on their doorstep. <laughs> Maybe they did. Did your mom work? No, she was more of a housewife. She did a few jobs here and there. She wanted to be a Spanish teacher. But then me and my brother popped out of the womb, you know. And Is your brother older or younger? He's older. He's, okay. He lives in Thailand. He retired there. How long ago did he do that? Oh, many, many years ago. He got a girlfriend from Laos, and he's thinking about moving to Laos. Where in Thailand is he? You know? He's in Bangkok right now. Okay. Is that where he's always been? Well, no, he was in Chiang Mai, and he was in a place out in the hinterlands out there. I forget what area it was, but it was kind of close to the Laos border. Okay. Well, because that's where I was. Where? In the province of Lui, which is about 50 kilometers from the Laos border. I'm not sure exactly, but he's not there now. I think he broke up with his girlfriend. Now he's got another girlfriend or something. Okay. So your mom essentially didn't work, and she raised your boys. She went to Spain four or five times. She was going to move to Spain even with my dad. What was her calling for Spain? Well, she just loved Spanish. You know, you know, she was interested in the Spanish language when she was in high school. Yeah. And she wanted to become a Spanish teacher, but that never transpired, as I was saying before. And then and she was hanging out in Malaga in the Costa del Sol. Yeah. And she really liked being there, you know. First couple of times she went there, she went on a ship instead. Did she of, go by herself? Yeah. Okay. She met a lot of people. How'd your dad feel about her traveling alone like that? I couldn't tell you. I take after my mom in the very talkative modality. Right. And, and I always ask my dad, hey, dad, cat got your tongue? <laughs> so he, he was not very communicative. In some ways he was, you know. He was a hard worker. You know, when he finally got out of the um, service, he finally got a job with the Long Beach Water Department. Okay. It's a civil service job. And at first he was, you know, a ditch digger. So that guess means I'm a son of a ditch digger. You are a son of a ditch digger. <laughs> <laughs> Working class family, I guess. Yeah. But this was in Long Beach, and he would be on call all night. 
in case you know there was a main break in, in right. underneath the street and he didn't have to go out there at any time of the early morning and or late night and take care of those things how long did but he then do that? he he worked his whole life in long beach water department oh okay he actually was a he became a foreman he started out as a ditch digger but right. then later on he went up the, the ladder you know and he had a good pension and and helped my mom when she you know when she he passed you know so they stayed together the whole time. Oh yeah, he was like 83 when he passed. When he got older, we, me and him had a pretty good uh, connection. We went to a beer bar on our, on the way to Joshua Tree and hiked around Joshua Tree, and you know had a pretty good How connection. How old were you then? I was probably in my 40s when that happened. How did you guys get along when you were a kid? Oh, pretty good. It was maybe quasi dysfunctional. You mean like most families? Like most families, yeah. yeah. Not completely, but... What about your brother? He did so many different things that it would blow your mind. He was a cop. Where? Signal Hill Police. Signal oh. Hill's that, that hill yeah. right in the middle of Long Beach. No, I know. That's a tough hood, man. Yeah, anyway, that's no, what I'm he from did. from Southern California. Okay, you know? well, then you can relate. Yeah. He did all kinds of things. He was even a bouncer for Larry Flint. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he had a cedar... For the Hustler Club? <laughs> I don't know exactly. But he did, he, well, lost, he uh, fell asleep on the job, so he got fired, but... <laughs> Also, my brother had a cedar mill in the foothills of the Sierras, and I worked for my brother for a while. You know, that was, uh, it was cedar shingles. I lived in Kauai for seven years during the 70s. How was that? That was incredible. It was like living in the Garden of Eden, man. Did you live by yourself? I had a bunch of girlfriends. They called me Two Flutes Stephen because I played two recorders at the same time. I still do sometimes. And I got kind of a reputation on Kauai as, you know, a musician. We lived in a, in a tree house inland from Kapa'a where... The scenery is the same scenery that you see in Jurassic Park. When I first went there, I was in a place called Taylor Camp, which was on the end of the road. You know, you couldn't go any farther. or You have to go on the Kalalau Trail to get into Kalalau. But I lived there on the beach with a bunch of hippies. <laughs> it was an amazing life. Why did you leave Hawaii? Because I got my girlfriend pregnant, and she got rock fever, and so we moved to Boonville in Mendocino County. <laughs> How long did that go on? Well, well, she got pregnant, so you have a child. Is yeah, that your child. That's my daughter. Okay. Yeah. How old is she now? She's forty. Okay. She Where's was born she? in nineteen seventy-six. Where's she? She is in Fort Collins, Colorado. That's where my daughter's. Uh, that's where we adopted her. Wow. Fort Collins. Small Colorado. world, vast universe, buddy. It's, you know, the head of a <laughs> pin, baby. Yeah. And that's why I'm taking this course in the, in the computer, at the beginning computer over there at the Talent Library. I got three more Saturdays. I'm trying to get my email address together so I can, because I found out she's on Facebook, my daughter, and yeah. also I want to connect with my my brother over there in Thailand too. Right. And I was, you know, doing. When did you go to Thailand? Overlapping 2004 okay. and five, so where, for seven where, months. Where were you? Chiang Mai. So what'd you do in Chiang Mai? Oh, I had a great time. Took my mom there. Oh. She was almost 90 years old, oh and we were going to move there. That's why I sold everything. Oh, right. And I shipped everything over there and I thought I was going to move there but it didn't turn out because she was getting close to 90 and, and it was just too much for yeah. her but get this she had a lady taking care of her a nice lady named Lek and uh, yeah, I dated a girl named Boo and a girl named Nam I had a little interest in this gal named uh, Tu while this lady was taking care of my mom it gave me a chance to explore I went on a trek in the mountains above Chiang Mai got to ride an elephant bamboo I, river raft I know exactly where you were yeah I had my uh, Sony Cybershot camera, yeah. and I got stacks of four by sixes that would blow you away, man. I'm sure, dude. I mean, I got pictures of all the ruins and the watts, yeah. and then I went to the Queen's Botanical Garden, and they have these terrariums there, and inside the terrariums, they have water lilies that are 12 feet across, yeah. and 
all different kinds of lotuses and exotic plants, right. pitcher plants, you name it, all kinds of strange. Right. So I took a lot of pictures of those. I was very choosy about what I would picture, you know. I'm I just, choosy too, but I just take a shit fucking ton of pictures. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I still haven't even looked at all of them. I have a whole thing of Bangkok after the king passed. When did he pass? Passed just before I left. They're still in mourning. They're just coming out of mourning now. As a matter of fact, Boo, she's finally going to get to wear colors next month. They've been wearing black, mostly. Since, For all that time, right? Yeah, well, that's, wow. yeah, since he passed. Unbelievable. It was pretty fascinating for me to be there in a very historical time whereby he was the longest reigning monarch in the world before he passed. Wow. I mean, he was 88, and he started when he was 18. Wow. There were two things that were significant. That... And it was the hottest in 65 years of recorded weather in Thailand. So I was in the middle of this unique time. And the fact that the king passed, look, there he is right there on my wall, man. Swadi Cup. Swadi Cup, baby. Somebody my cup. Yeah. You know what that means? What? Are you okay? Yeah, Sarabidi my cup. Yeah. Sabadi my cup. Sabadi. I learned like eight words. That's about all. And dude, I could live there for the rest of my fucking life on eight words. No problem. Also no cup, kum cup. Well, that's thank you. Thank you, yeah, yeah, I know that one. What's your daughter's name? Acacia. Do you know, know her? Well, I say hi to her. I don't okay. know her real well, but I, I do say hi, and I told her, hey, I got my, my daughter's got the same name as you. How's she doing? It looks like good. The, my friend, on his little device, he brought up a picture of her and her husband and her two kids. Before she had her kids, they were in Austin, Texas, and she was working for Amnesty International. But before that, I found out she got her library science degree at McGill University in Montreal. This is one, that, a cover in the middle of it, but it's got an original to begin with. Okay. Know your limitation, quit while you're ahead. Take it to the edge and make this solemn pledge. Let it run, let it slide. You'll turn out all right in the end. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealer's in your limitation quit while you're ahead take it to the edge and make this solemn pledge let it ride let it slide let it glide and you'll turn out all right in the This is a kind of a morning song, but goes. All on a wondrous summer morning. Listen to the trees are singing. All on a wondrous summer morning. Listen to the mission bells are ringing. Thank our lucky stars So grateful To be alive Yes, we have To thank 
our lucky stars Dancing around that sweet beehive Beehive yourself now All on a wondrous summer morning What's that button you're wearing? That's my Mayan calendar birth glyph. Mayan calendar is 13 months, 28 day calendar. It goes through the natural moon cycles and the woman's menstrual cycle and all that kind of stuff. 28 times 13 is 364. There's seven days in a week, four weeks in a month. Seven times four is 28. It's much more natural and logical of a calendar in the Gregorian, Roman Empire, blah, blah, blah right. kind of thing. There's three different aspects to the birth glyph. There's a color. My aspect is blue rhythmic storm. I got this from my friend Jacob and Kelly. They live in, they used to live in Ashland, but now they're in Talent. He works for a, a group called the Foundation for the Law of Time. And they get in really deep into the Mayan calendar. It's very deep mathematical computations there, you know. But he gave me this, he's into that kind of thing. There's, a, there's an artist named Jose Arguello. He's the one that does all this psychedelic chakra art and he was really into the research of the Mayan calendar thing. Mm. But that's interesting because it goes around a full circle because many years ago I, I went to Chichen Itza and Palenque and all that kind of thing and mm-hmm. hung out there and it was quite interesting. Like I took some vibe. mushrooms out in the cow pies by Palenque. Palenque. Was that? I was far out. I, I When I was on mushrooms I went to the temple of the inscriptions, this step pyramid and Pakal Votan is the, the king that's buried in that sepulcher. Yeah. And I had this big bass bamboo flute. I was planted in those, and the acoustics were really far out. And now in my altered state of consciousness, when I walked back to town, there was shrubbery on both sides, and all these fireflies were moving around and making it look like hieroglyphs or fiery words, fiery letters. Gotta love those trichomes. Gotta love those trichomes. Yeah, higher than a kite. Shave and a haircut, six bits. Yeah. <laughs> I just make up stuff right out of the thin air a lot do, of times. Do you do that when you do the busking? You just all the time, man. Throw down like you know that. somebody will tell them tell me their name, and if there's a song that's got their name in it, I'll sing that song. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I really like Marcus Fire. He's a really good musician. You know the guy that got the didgeridoo and the, yeah, but he's good. And I told him recently, and he took my advice: pick up banjo, you will triple your earnings. And he got a banjo. He's playing it now. And? and it's tripling his earnings. He was playing guitar and it was really screwing up his hand. So now with the banjo, it's not quite as invasive on his oh, wrist and his hand. Kind of an interesting looking banjo. He's in a different... I've, I tune my instrument to G major open tuning. But that's where I roll with it. And I can do kind of interesting things. You know, an interesting thing about a banjo, if you play it close to the neck, you get these very subtle lute tones, almost like a ukulele. Ah, But if you play it by the bridge... Oh, it's, it's interesting, interesting tonalities out of yeah. definitely. Yeah, that's cool. I got this a couple of years ago. I had the gold tone first, and it was stolen from the back of my car because I forgot to lock it, and I was only gone for about a few okay. minutes. That's all it took. Was somebody. it here? It got stolen here? Yeah, by Little Shop of Bagels Oh. in that parking lot. Yeah. However, some people helped me to pay for this. And also on top of that... It's a much better banjo for $100 less. I've had it for a couple of years, I guess. Any other songs you want to... You play what you want to play. What are you <laughs> reading right now? Moby Dick. 
Ah, because I know you're a, a big reader and you yeah, read well, a variety good. of oh, yeah. interesting things. But I haven't got to the place yet where they're chasing the whale or the whale's chasing them. It's like the <laughs> finale, right? Yeah, that's that's the, the, the climax is... But they're going into a lot of interesting details about whaling, and I find it rather fascinating. And here's an interesting thing. You know, I did that Bob Dylan song earlier. Yeah. Talk about synchronistic. I'm reading Moby Dick now, and I heard that Bob Dylan, in his acceptance speech for the Nobel Prize, he mentioned that he was really into Herman Melville. So. When did he get the Nobel Prize? Just this last year, I think. Just oh, okay. this year, I think. Okay. For a peace prize. Because I think it had to do with some of his, his anti-war songs. I would imagine. Masters of War and It Was God on Our Side, those, right. kind, of, those kind of Dylan songs. Right. But I like that one about Ain't It Hard to Stumble, Land in Some Muddy Lagoon. It's called Bob Dylan's Blues. Right. You played that when you first got here. Yeah, yeah yes. right, right, right. I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah. I'll tell you, man, I, that's one of my sayings these days. I'm here because I'm not there. If I was there, I wouldn't be you here. You wouldn't be here. Of it's a koan. <laughs> that is totally a koan. That's, That's how I roll, brother. I know it is. Yeah. You know, I never thought I'd actually get you up here, to be honest with you. I wanted to do it. I just, it had to be the right time and the, and the right circumstances. No, no, no. I'm glad that it just it worked out Transpired. the way it did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we see each other all the time, which is very nice. And yeah. Fun. I, think I appreciate like... your support, too, brother. Oh, of I course. I really do. Of course, man. Yeah. Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't anybody... Here's a message to the folks out there. Support local musicians if they're worth it. I agree. We have actually a lot of busking in town here. Yeah. And, some uh, of it's pretty good, some of it not so good. So Sage and Marcus are two that are, I think are very good. Is that the black guy? Yeah. He's fucking incredible, dude. Yeah, he's got he's a, a strong voice. He's a very talented young man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And I've actually videotaped him playing because yeah. I was so blown away by the cut. Yeah. He and was I like doing. Marcus, too. Well, you've got your game dialed. Yeah. You really do. I mean, yeah. you know, you have an idea of how much you can make per day. Yeah. And you know where to... Some days are better than others. Well, that's life. That's life for sure. Yeah. Like today, I made close to 30 bucks. And how long did that take you? Oh, a couple of hours. All right. So how many jobs can you go out right now and get $15 an hour? Not too many. No. Shake your money maker, yeah. Shake your money maker, yeah. Shake your money maker, lady shake. Wake me, shake me, do not fake me. Shake your money maker, be a mover and a shaker, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> just come off the top of my head right then. You just made that up just now? Yeah. Because you know, Shake That Money Maker, I think, is a bona fide song. Yeah, that's James Brown, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I quote from, you know, from people that I... That I impressed with you know sometimes what is your percentage of originals versus covers oh god it's hard to say because because a lot of those ones that i just make up as i go along you know sometimes i'll do them again and they'll be a completely different setting people really like that bob dylan's blues and uh, and also when i do take me to the river you know the right. the cover for the talking heads sure. al green composition sure. you know as you noticed bob dylan's blues was done in a kind of a high tenor voice. Right. Ain't it hard to stumble? I can hit some notes. Right. In fact, when I was in college choir, they gave me solos in both tenor and baritone. Mm. I had to sing in two different ranges. Well, you're a fucking ringer, dude. You were a ringer for the church. Oh, here's one I did today. Et in terra pax voluntatis. That's Latin for on earth goodwill towards all living things. Peace 
peace on earth, good will to all living things, peace on earth, good will to all living things, et in terra pax homini, one voluntati, is the Pope Argentinian? <laughs> is he? Yeah. Okay. Then I made up one, you know, William Blake, the mystic English poet? No. I made up a song from the Songs of Experience by him. It goes like this. So I'm doing a kind of a Celtic brogue. Hear the voice of the bard Who past and present and future sees Whose ears have heard the holy word that walked among the ancient trees. Oh, earth, oh, earth, return from thy dewy grass. Starry floor is given thee till break of day. I like how you were throwing the, the rolling R's in your delivery. Sure. A burrito. I'm going to eat a burrito. Yeah. Right with your tongue. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to. <laughs> well, I just boing and yodel and do all kinds of stuff. I know you do. You're very. You, you want to hear the boinging song? Yeah, of course. It's called Sleepy Eye John. Okay. It's it's a it's an old hillbilly. I have different categories. I do some calypsos. I do one I call the children's corner. I do uh, coming around the mountain. I've been working on the railroad. Bear went over the mountain. You do those at the markets? When yeah. The kids are yeah. Oh, good. That's and good. I also you know, the kids just love them. You know, I, I cater to the kids. I was going to say, you know, you could do fucking kids' birthday parties and probably make a few hundred bucks easy. I'm working on trying to get that out, you know. I'm serious. I think it's a really nice gig, actually, for you. Yeah, well, I will. I wanted to make up a card that says, available for festivities, parties, bar mitzvahs, weddings, memorials, you name it. I'll do it. I'll help you out with that. Okay, cool. I'll take care of that. Anyway, that's good. I appreciate that. Yeah. But then this one, what's the other one that I wanted to do? I, I made a new verse to the bear went over the mountain. It's to the same tune as he's a golly, jolly good fellow. Okay. Same. It goes, the bear went over the mountain, the bear went over the mountain, the bear went over the mountain to see what he could see, to see what he could see, to see what he could see. Oh, the bear went over the mountain, the bear went over the mountain, the bear went over the mountain to see what he could see. When he got to the other side of the mountain, all he saw was a lot more mountains. When he got to the other side of the mountain, he saw a lot more mountains. <laughs> and, that, and the bear's a jolly good fellow, the bear's a jolly good fellow, bear's a jolly good fellow, which nobody can deny. <laughs> you remember this? How many songs do you think you know? Oh, hundreds. I haven't even counted. I just know hundreds of songs. And that's not including the ones that I make up just on the spot. No, no, that's true. That's true. Dragonfly, keep my flagon dry. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
Wow, where'd that come from? Right out of nowhere. Just now? Yeah, just right out of nowhere. Really? You just did that now without any... You didn't do say that before? No, I never said it before. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dragonfly, keep a flagging drive. Oh, let's do that Boingen song, by the way. And this one is interesting because it's... I always tell this joke before. When I was three years old, I swallowed a Jew's harp. And I've been boinging ever since. Because I got the juice harp embedded right on my vocal cords. Sleepy-eyed John, better get your britches on. Sleepy-eyed John, better tie your shoes. Sleepy-eyed John, better get your britches on. Get them on down to the barnyard, too. Way down yonder on the shaley creek. Leave I heard a wagon squeak. Tune my fiddle and rosin my bow. Play a little tune wherever I go. John, better get your pictures on. Sleepy eye, John, better tie your shoes. Sleepy eye, John, better get your pictures on. Get them on down to the barnyard, too. Okay, brother John, let's hear a little bit of that juice art. I just do what I do, you know, yodel and make sound effects and crazy noises and, you know. You're having a good time. Absolutely. Right? And it's simple, too. Are you having a better time now at this stage of your life than maybe ever in your life? Perhaps this is a good time, but also when I lived in Kauai and did a little travel around. Sure. I enjoyed Thailand. You know, it's it's hard to assess what's no, no, better, I, you know. But no, no, right I mean, these in, days, I'm having a great time. Yeah, good. That's good. How old are you now? My birthday is August 20th, which is this. Oh, it's coming up. Yep. I'm going to be 70. Well, you're going to be even 70. Even 70, yeah. Nice. Well, I think I'm doing pretty good for 70. You're doing fucking great, dude. I yeah. mean, you're out in it. You're not cooped up and you're not complaining and you're not... I'm not stooped over like so many people when they get old. No. I've seen people stooped over in their 40s and 50s, man. <laughs> but this goes like this. I ain't got eyes in the back of my head and I can't read people's mind. I ain't got eyes in the back of my head and I can't read people's I was born in a gyrating pickle barrel Floating around in the amniotic ocean Born in a gyrating pickle barrel But you know, I don't have the slightest notion And then the second part goes I do have eyes in the back of my head And I can read people's minds Telepathic <laughs> Alright, and here's what we're going to do I want to thank you. Absolutely. For coming up and chatting with me and oh, playing I had a, music. I had a blooming blast there, Governor. I, I'm, I'm glad. I had a really good time, too. <laughs> yeah. We always have a pretty effortless time together. It's totally Ashlandish. It is. You just, <laughs> yeah. just got to show up, baby. Yeah, right. How are you doing, Jeff Stanley? I am good. I feel a little uh, nervous, but happy. What are you nervous about? Um, so you let a mentally ill person in your home. <laughs> Dude, everybody's mentally ill. Okay. You know that. We're all sick uh, on some level. Don't feel like you are alone because you are not. Thanks. Are we there yet? <laughs> We're always there. You don't have to go anywhere to be there. Yeah, Jacob Ackerman said that. I, I was talking about this being in the zone as a musician. And he's like, Dude, you're always in the zone. Uh, Jeff Stanley is an incredible guitar player. 
And uh, where were you born? Ohio, Ravenna, Ohio. How long have you been in the Rogue Valley? On and off since 82. And your parents are from this area? Yeah. How did you start playing guitar? When did that happen? I started at uh, 16 and a half years old. My grandma, uh, bless her soul, uh, Agatha Stanley. Is she still around? No. Yeah. She did some still lifes, a painter, when I was a kid. That was the initial inspiration, I think. So how did that have any influence on you picking up the guitar? You I think it was a creative kind of inspiration. Yeah. So as a boy or whatever, I started drawing. And then I, my dad had Tintin comic books. For me, I was living in East Africa, and there was a great English influence there. So that I had, for some reason, I had military comic books, like war comic books, and mm-hmm. I just started copying and copying. So I think the drawing led to the openness. My parents brought me up, they're like, you know, open-mindedness, they're cool like that. And then I was living in Naivasha, Kenya, homeschooling. I'm writing letters to my friend Josh Vinlove. He's here at Ashton High School, and we're writing letters back and forth, just, you know, friends. And he's in a rock band here in Ashland, yeah. and they're playing Rush, Zeppelin, uh, I don't know, just like some good rock music. Yeah. And uh, and so he's writing to me how enjoyable this is. I had been injured in an accident, unfortunately, in 86. What kind of an accident? I was hit by a car and where I lost sight of my left eye. And I was a really avid soccer player, so I'd be, but I played on the right, and I wasn't very developed as a soccer player enough to switch to left. Anyway, I lost sight of my left eye, all sorts, like left leg broken, left shoulder broken, skull fracture ear to ear coma 10 days it was nasty however you know thank god i recovered so i can be talking to you here now yes <laughs> this is fun so i had this injury it's like horrible it's traumatic but then like i thought i was gonna be a soccer player i don't think i had the right attitude to be a soccer player you and thought you were gonna be a professional soccer player I, I really, that's what I, you wanted oh i loved it okay and i was pretty good but i don't know but then when i tried to play soccer after that a i was blind in my left eye so the balls being kicked to me were coming from the left and I could not see these things coming. Right. Secondly, I had shin splints. I was growing all of a sudden really fast, and so I could couldn't even run. So right. a soccer player who can't run and his coach pulled me out, and that's fine yeah. uh, because at that point I was writing letters with Vinlove, and I had played piano for six, seven years, and I was like, I, I became disinterested for whatever reason, but I had that foundation of melody and harmony. So I'm writing letters back and forth, and then I got inspired to pick up a guitar. And uh, when we came back through going to Papua New Guinea, my, this was through my parents' work, uh, foreign aid and development, mm-hmm. and uh, you know my dad did solar energy, geology, I mean water wells and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we come back here through Cripple Creek Music, and I get my first guitar. And then I, I literally, like my first day of owning that guitar at night or whatever, I just had it plopped in the corner of the room, and I just stared at it. It's so beautiful to me. So beautiful. Like the shape, the design. I love design. Was it anyway. acoustic? Electric. Oh, it was electric. Kramer, elect- like shred guitar, you know, with the kind of pointed. What uh, color was it? Black. Okay. Do you yeah. still have it? No. I don't know where it went. Huh. I can't. It's very interesting. I know the history of other guitars or where my history with them, but I don't know what happened to that one. And then I became like happily in How long did it take you to pick it up? That Probably that day, that evening. And then I was just, you know, doodling, kind of making like playing with the thick strings, I remember. with a guy named Gerb, who's a musician in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. 
It's 10.30, I call you, you're still not home You say you wanna, you say you'd like to Maybe not, the sun goes down and then you run away You're the back in the morning, you cry, hey, 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 hey You say you wanna, you say you'd like to But maybe not San Francisco. Gerb, he's a like a ska. Well, Gerb. Gerb, yeah, Gerbo. Where's he from? He, uh, I don't know. Well, that's such an odd name. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good uh, singer, very proactive in getting the music out there. His music or the music, and I played in a ska band with him, mm-hmm. and so I wrote that initial riff. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics, awesome. and then he added to it, and then we went to the studio and he recorded it and. He had a beautiful guitar solo on that, like just all raunchy and 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 then a really good rhythm section and horns and it was very fun. The band's name was Missing Link. I don't know if this is still going. That's a band name was Missing Link. It's mm-hmm. a great name. Hey. You're playing by yourself around town here. Yeah, yeah, I'm playing You're doing a solo kind of thing. Lots of solo stuff. I'm playing. Like, well, actually, duo with uh, Jeffrey Lynn. And she's, uh, Jeffrey, by the way, is a female. Yes. The Jeff and Jeff show. Jeffrey right. <laughs> and Jeffrey show. How's that going with her? Oh, really good. She's incredibly, profoundly gifted. And, uh, you know, 10 years of vocal lessons, but not only technique that one might pick up from that, but she sings from the heart and yeah. just connects with the message of the song. It's like, I'm in awe to, like, collaborate with her. It's really a huge blessing for me. You pick up the guitar, and it's Love at First Strum? Love at First Strum, man, for sure. And so how did it take off from there? What was your your daily practice? Right, like my... I used to have a practice routine. I'd have everything written that I was going to practice. Uh-huh. Like scales, chords, you know, arpeggios, sequences, whatever, like everything I was learning. Uh, and then I let myself practice no less than two hours a day, but that got a bit, like obsessive after a few years and I finally sort of hit a brick wall I was like dude I I can't I can't do this and then I kind of stopped practicing like with a time sort of focus on mm-hmm. it and but now I'm back to like I haven't quite figured it out I'm like an hour a day but I'm thinking like Saturdays and, and or Sundays like at least one day a week just like don't like literally practice come on even the Lord took a break right on Sunday you know there's that you know it's like the break thing <laughs> that's hard for me it's because you're having trouble giving yourself a break, period. Maybe so, yeah. A little self-care.
don't want to hurt myself anymore I got way too much to live for I am not a paranoid schizophrenic hypochondriac I am much more Coming back from the trenches of a mental ward Used to want it was all for Now I'm looking to be on my anymore I got way too much to live for I'm not a paranoid schizophrenic hypochondriac yes you are no I'm not 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 I am much more than song. Not only do you have uh, Obama on there, but you have uh, Tanzania. Tanzania, yeah, where I grew up. That's where you grew up, Tanzania? Yeah, born in Ohio, raised in Tanzania. So you were born in 1971. And what was yeah. going on in Ohio at that time? Gosh, don't remember too much. Uh, my first memory is stepping on a sticker bush in Africa. That's my, like, it was like, ow! <laughs> how old were you then? I was like three and a half, maybe, or something. Okay, so how long after you were born in Ohio did you guys leave for Africa? Three. Yeah, I was three years Oh, old. when you were three. Okay, yeah. okay. And this is because your parents are doing what kind of work? Uh, they're foreign aid and development. Like, they started in the Peace Corps, and then um, then they got a gig with the Swedish government. And my dad, he had a really cool company called AATP, Arusha Appropriate Technology Project. And so he would work with Tanzanians, East Africans, and uh, with the resources that they had around them to develop, you know, I don't mean to sound stupid, but things, you know, like water, water treatment. Yeah, like life sources and really, you know, important basics. And his thing was he didn't want to ship in, like for an example, like if a really nice tractor got shipped in and broke down in the field at the time, the spare parts were at the time at least were just a pain in the butt and so what he would do is work with the resources that uh, people had around him to develop projects that once he was gone that were self-sustaining so to speak right what's the biggest project you think that you're aware that he's worked on well the swedish 
2018, Queen came down and saw school. Came to down visit. to Africa? You yeah, mean? yeah, and visited. Uh, How do they know about him? I think because his popularity of like what he was doing was really, really solid and ethical and moral. What's and your dad's name? Richard Stanley. Okay. And now they're doing like um, briquettes, fuel briquettes, which is an alternative fuel source, which you take like straw, grass, water, hay, and you mush it together. Yeah. And let it dry in the sun, and it becomes a fuel pellet. It's pretty dope. It's like 70 countries worldwide. And, and he invented this? Yeah. Well, actually, a guy I spoke to, a guy in Seattle invented it, and then he sort of worked with that guy and, and has spread it across the globe. And this is this how he makes a living? Well, it supplements him like... Yeah, like He's retired, right? Yeah, yeah, but he has like uh, several properties and stuff. With mom, yeah. of course, because she just does the women's management training and all sorts of things. Uh, and she's an administrative genius. Like she's like really smart and does not procrastinate on mm. paperwork, which is like pretty rad. <laughs> yeah. You know? and so what is she doing specifically now? Now she works with dad on the briquettes and properties. Okay. Yeah, so she's right there with Pops the whole way doing okay. stuff. Yeah. And you and your family are very close, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys are super tight from what I can what I can tell. Yeah, Mom bought me a Starbucks sandwich yesterday. Oh, well, that is love. Come on. I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that. Other than her breasts in your mouth while you're a baby. Well, there's that. The Starbucks yeah. sandwich is pretty much the really next good. best thing. Yeah, and... um. So, yeah, it's good. What are those pictures of? Those are photographs of the former king of Thailand who passed while I was there. Wow. He was the longest reigning monarchy in the history of the world before he passed. Mm. And uh, he passed at 88, and he started his, wow. his term when he was 18. No kidding. And he was revered and loved greatly by his people. Oh, and uh, while I was there, it was extremely fascinating. I was there at probably one of the most unique times in the history of Thailand mm -hmm. to witness his passing and to go through the grieving with the citizens of this country who were devastated by his passing mm -hmm. and to have a relationship with a young woman who I'm still, you know, uh, attached to mm -hmm. uh, could take me to Bangkok in a sea of black mm -hmm. and be kind of the behind the scenes with Thai people. Not as a foreigner, not mm. as the ugly American, but kind of feeling like part of Thailand, part of the Thai population. Mm -hmm. And I got to experience something that most uh, outsiders will never, ever experience. Mm. And it was really pretty fantastic. Mm. And this was all part of my seven-month incredible journey mm. in Southeast Asia. If you go to any home in Thailand, there are pictures of the king and queen. Anyway, he was like their father figure for the country. But he was also an avid photographer. Oh. Yes, and almost every picture you see with him, he has a camera around his neck. No kidding. And uh, he was a piano player. He was a musician. Wow. Uh, through having a relationship with Boo, I got to really have a, a little bit of an understanding of how important he was to the culture of the country mm -hmm. and, and the development of, of the country. Mm -hmm. So that's who that dude is, looking like a badass with his fucking sunglasses on, kicking it in his chair. The guy was fucking cool, man. He was mm -hmm. totally cool, Yeah, yeah. from what I understand. I'm going to play some blues for you. <laughs> Thank you. 
you're ridiculous. Maybe that could be a stage name. I was thinking of a stage name. Just Jeff Mixed Bag. <laughs> Jeff Ridiculous. Jeff Ridiculous. Jeff Ridiculous. Ridiculous. When did you start taking what you created for yourself and start playing out? Oh yeah, um, so in the first year of playing guitar, I was in Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby. Beautiful place, uh, incredible snorkeling, windsurfers. It's just really awesome experience. But that first year, we got a gig at another high school. Just one song playing um, a Tracy Chapman. I don't remember what number it was, but a Tracy Chapman song. So that was my first gig, first year of playing guitar. And I was so scared, man. I sat on the um, sat on the amp, and I don't know if I faced the audience. I just was like, I'm just going to get through this. Actually, my first recital, I was so scared on piano that I locked myself in the bedroom. My parents had to pick the lock to take me to the recital. So, yeah, it's kind of weird that with anxiety issues that I would even think of doing this. But I love it so much. It, now I'm just like, like when we played the Rick Springfield concert, for uh -huh. example, it was such, I was peaceful pretty much. I mean, I had a little, you know, I want to have a little something, otherwise sure. I'll be complacent. But yeah. like to go to Brit and work with Mike Sturgill and professional roadie, crew, lighting, sound, it was just, I felt like in my element and what I was born to do, you know, it was so fun. And then to face this, in a good way, a beautiful audience, like, I, I don't know if there was 800 or 1400 people there, but that's a lot of people, you yeah. know, and it's, it's just like, I saw Dizzy Gillespie on that stage, George Benson, Spyro Gyro. Primus, mm -hmm. you know, national touring acts, international, right. and so to be just like there, yeah, it was just really sacred. Yeah, and my point being, stage fright. Yeah, I mean, performance anxiety. There's a book by David Rowland called Performance Anxiety. Really good tips in there. Your parents unlocking that door and making you go to that recital is the only reason you were on that fucking stage, opening for Rick Springfield. You know it's because they picked that fucking lock and made you go play. Right. Literally. I I agree. The only issue I really have, like with this, is just to know when to stop. <laughs> what does that mean? Because I, I, it's like guitar is so beautiful and, for lack of a better term, addicting to me that it's like sometimes, I think it's good for me to put the guitar down and go, you know, for a walk or like see yeah. some nature and and for me that can be challenging because I have kind of a focused personality and so. But I mean, that's not really, that's a quality problem, man. That's so sure, quality. Yeah. That's like, oh, I just ate too much ice cream, you know? <laughs> it's like, right. that's quality. Kind of quality. I well, mean, no, no. You know. the, the fact that you are so into the guitar. Yeah, I love guitar. It's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, you have to take care of yourself, of course. But that is part of taking care of yourself because you love doing that so much. You're doing that for you. That's cool. That's part of your coping mechanism. Mm. You can get lost in your guitar playing. Yeah, and yeah. you don't think about anything when you're playing guitar other than you're not thinking, are you? Well, that's one of the beautiful things about it, I guess, to me. Like, there's the study of the instrument, like learning, for me, like learning a pattern or a chord or a song or a riff, building my repertoire, altered tunings, electric, acoustic, right. nylon, all these wonderful different tangents and aspects that one can go down, uh, or all of the above, or just one, but whatever. And then different genres, you know. Um, right. And then there's the performance aspect. And that's like a beautiful, to me, like study in and of itself. Like the anxiety that might come up for one person. I heard it's the greatest fear of the human race. Statistically, I don't know. Well, uh, speaking in public is the greatest right. fear of the human race. Right. Yeah. So there's, but then there's like what m might 
go on or not go on in one's mind whilst one is performing. I've been wondering about that. Like, um, perhaps it's like meditation, you know, just let go. Well, that's what I I talk about, uh, you're not thinking, meaning when you are playing, when you are performing, you're not thinking about your condition. You're not thinking about the environment. You're not thinking about politics. You're just being. You're in a flow. You're doing your thing. There is no thinking involved. Because if you had to think, you wouldn't be able to do it. Right. Yeah. Ideally, yeah, that's that's what one wants to have happen. I mean, for me. Because otherwise it's like... Um, <laughs> like... Wow, that waitress is really cute. Okay, what? Sorry, what's the chord? And then... Uh, like, okay, so... Oh, my mom and dad just showed up. Cool, cool. All right. And is that, is that light kind of... Is that an LED? Is that going to ruin my eyesight? It's on my blind side. Uh, okay, I've been standing on my feet for two and a half hours. Oh, crap. A table's just leaving. They're, they're getting their check. Shoot. Should I do something more intense or passion or just break it down? Maybe. Do you? <laughs> I wonder if Mark um, painted those uh, drape things himself. Did he go to Home Depot or where? Did he put those blinds in? Oh, wow. The King, 88. Rest in peace, bro. That's pretty incredible what you did. That's what I'm talking about, dude. How easy is that for you? Like, oh my god, I did not... I didn't get any orange juice. I totally went there to get orange juice, and I forgot it. I like orange juice. So that's what I'm talking about. You just go through your day up until the point, that day that you did, that you're playing your gig that night, and you tell them, and you don't even say anything. You just start doing it. You don't announce your fucking song. You don't say shit. Yeah, yeah. You just start recounting your day, dude. You recount your day and whatever is coming into your purview as you're doing that purview. in the place while you're doing the thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's please, brilliant. Please man. call me and let me know the first show that you do that in because I want to record the show audio. Oh, that'd be fun. And people will be kind of wiggity-wigged out at first because they won't know what the fuck you're doing. And then they'll pick up on the fact that you're just riffing. Right, riffing. Because we're used to all these planned songs. Right. We're used to having a set list, and you you know what you're going to play, and you're going to put your your spin on it, whatever you're feeling in the moment. But to have something that spontaneous, a spontaneous show, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think that's really important. Is anybody doing that? I haven't heard it yet. I mean, maybe like, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, freestyle hip hop, like rap rappers. That and that's what you would be doing, brilliant, brilliant. except you're doing it in your genre and right, how right. you do it. That's your fucking rap, dude. How That'd cool. be fun. That's yeah, just fucking overcome. awesome. Maybe you could go over a different style too, really. So yeah, I guess I had a couple bites of food. It was good. Don't get me wrong, it was good. But it's kind of like dude food. Like the hummus is at the top. I didn't really stir it in. <laughs> but that's okay, man. It's better than not having food, you know what I mean? Like, I did not eat since I woke up at like 5.30 thinking of a lady. Man, she's been on my mind for like nine months straight. It's been intense, bro. <laughs> there are songs about it, you know? Like, uh... Lying on the floor with torn, you know. <laughs> so, or you could go to Weezer, you could go, If you want to destroy my sweater. Uh, there's lots of songs. But anyway, so yeah. <laughs> That's the show, bro. Busting out into some fucking singles. Yeah. And then 
and weaving some of your personal shit into it and some of your music into it, right, that's right. a whole show for fucking two hours. Are you kidding me? Riffing and then just letting your mind do the work because all this thing that you call mental illness mm. is untapped genius, bro. There you go. <laughs> Re-fucking formulate that energy that you've informed yourself of what you are mm. and take that fucking impression off of that now and now take that this all this cool energy you have that you don't really understand but it's there and you have to channel it and do some shit with it so you don't it doesn't make you crazy right well there, this is a very therapeutic opportunity for you to fucking express yourself in a way and share that with your audience dude that's your fucking therapy session for an hour good song ideas for tomorrow this guitar student of mine audrey uh we came up with a two chord song yeah if one just plays just two chords at least i find for me just two chords back and back and forth yeah and then ad libs the lyrics over it it's really fun uh. it just comes up with like for me it just immediately taps me into saying what i feel in a creative context which can be humorous right or, or like connection In this altered tuning thing. It's a uh, Lead Belly or Robert Johnson. Uh-huh. Uh, they did the altered tune. They like tune the guitar to a chord. Yeah. So when you go, oh, that's not good. Excuse me, it was out of tune. And then they have bottleneck slide. Uh, this water actually I'll chug it and use the bottle okay I mean I have other bottles and jars yeah um oh this is fine you know what this jar mmm that'd be nice it's got a citizen 44 sticker on oh there you go dude okay. that's perfect I don't know I, I mean it's not it's not a bottle like slide per se however it'll do the job um but it does have a cool sticker on it. Yeah, fuck yeah. It smells uh, really good. Does it smell like weed? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Almost awesome. everything in my apartment has, has stored weed at some we're point. We're in Southern right Oregon, yeah. Dude, we're in Ashland. Fucking weed falls out of the sky here. <laughs> Lead Belly or Robert Johnson did it in E flat. I'm in D, so I, it's a little lower. Yeah. It's just like a major chord. Like right. A, right. It's as if I'm fretting one. I learned this from an instructor, Arlene Roth. I think that's him. Uh, that's what I was doing in Papua New Guinea a lot. My parents got me these instructional tapes at the time, and I would just sit down every day and these. Just audio tapes. Yeah. Yeah. Such good instruction from yeah. homespun tapes in New York, I think, and they're still flowing. They brought uh. all sorts of good lessons, and so I just sit down like bottling slide guitar, R&B rhythm guitar, rock guitar soloing, uh -huh. and these guys would just play this beautiful stuff, and then they'd break it down. They're so good at breaking it down. You have vision in your left eye? No. None? None. Well, no, it's pretty good. I mean, you're lucky that at least you don't, you, you have a normal looking eye. Yeah, I had surgery. Like, at first it was lazy after the accident and like looked down so bad for the self-esteem. I couldn't look people in the eye. No, no, you they look no totally idea. normal. Uh, we traveled through 
South Africa, like when I was going to Malawi, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, but I once went through Canary Islands down through South Africa, and they have a really good medical system there. Mm-hmm. And uh, this lady surgeon took care of it. She like like cut the muscle in between my eye or whatever the connect. There's I guess a, something that connects the two eyes, and so yeah. whichever one tracks. So she shortened it, brought the eye up. I mean, this was a long time wow. ago, and just gave me back my self esteem. But I don't know really the theory behind it. Like, I'm just learning scales or patterns slowly now. Like that standard quote unquote blues scale. Like, because it's completely different. The strings are like one or two frets, like tuned differently. Right. So I can't run the patterns I would shed it on for so long. Oh, right. It'll sound like. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like, uh, what's his name? Um, Eric Johnson? No. Come on, one of the greatest guitar players in the history of the instrument. Alan Holsworth. I don't know, I don't even know who these people are that you're mentioning. What is it? Um, no, uh, you know, he only had a few fingers. He burned his... Django Reinhardt. Django, yeah. fucking Django, man. Alan Holsworth, by the way. Yeah, Django Reinhardt. I listen to Django all the time. Yeah. Such a fun guitar player. Oh, yeah, one of the best for sure. Unbelievable, man. Two fingers. Two fingers. Oh, man. He was in a fire, right? Right. Yeah. I heard, heard, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, one of the best for sure. Oh. I I guess the story that I heard was uh, he didn't like to play on stage, so Mm -hmm. they would lie to him and tell him he's invited to a party, Mm -hmm. and they just kind of put him on stage and let him go. Yeah. Oh, wow, no kidding. Because he wasn't into the whole performing thing, but he loved to play, of course. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so you learn, you're playing. When do you you get uh, your first band? Who's your first, what's your first musical thing like that? Um, Let me see. So, I think the first, like, committed, grooving, rocking band, like, there were two. One was here in Ashton called The Snooze. And we played what used to be Cooks right there. Cooks, where were, what, what, what's? Right. It's now Taroko. Oh, okay, really okay. Nice, cool venue. That's where I met Max Wife, actually. It's okay. It's very significant for what me. What year was this? <laughs> uh, what year was snooze. it? Snooze. Cooks and Snooze and meeting your former spouse. Gosh, what was that? I've mentioned her a lot, huh? She must be on my mind. No, that's <laughs> good. She's part of your life. Yeah, How would you, why would you not mention person. her? I mention my ex-wife all the time. Oh, yeah? Of course. Yeah. Okay, so... So what year was this when it was Cooks? Eighty. I can't imagine this place in the eighties, to be honest. It was very fun. I mean, it me. was fun when I got here, but it's it's a lot less fun now. Imagine flat tops, you know, like U two really popular. Um, Aha, you know, right? Day, of course, uh, like eight, Madonna. Sure. Well, I was Dire in L A. in the eighties. I mean, I had a lot of fun in the eighties. Oh, it's I my can... favorite time of 
history is the 80s for music and yeah. dancing and drugs and everything. It was Eclectic, fucking great. It's rocking. Yeah. Still my favorite music to listen to is pretty much the 80s. 80s was a good time. It was. For a lot of people. It was. Well, it was right after the disco scene of the 70s. Right. Music was upbeat. There wasn't a lot of negativity. Mm -hmm. There was some underlying shit, mostly about sex and drugs, but mm -hmm. rap had not hit yet. There was not a lot. There was an anger in music. It was all mm -hmm. kind of floaty and synthesized and dancey and fun. Mm. It was a fun time. Do, 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 do. Totally. Do, do. They played Weird Science at my wedding. Wow, that's good, man. That was 1983. I got married in 83, so I got married in the midst of my favorite time. Wow. Yeah. What kind of clothes did you wear, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, no. <laughs> I worked at the Sherman Oaks Galleria, and uh, I used to wear white Capizio shoes. Nice. I would wear yellow pants. Yes. <laughs> so awesome. Or white pants with a red shirt and a yellow tie, or a yellow shirt with a red yes. leather thin tie. Yes. Working at Kenny Shoes, loving cocaine yeah. and ladies, <laughs> and that's where I met my ex-wife was at Kenny Shoes in the Galleria, mm -hmm. and how I met her actually was all the, for some reason, all the managers of the shoe stores in the mall were coke dealers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good lyric, dude. I don't even know why. Managers in the mall were coke dealers. We're coke dealers. Oh, no, all the managers of the shoe stores. Shoe stores in the mall. All the managers of the shoe store in the mall, Coke dealers. What can I do about that? But join the party. We did. Yeah! With my tie on. And I got my pants. And my, what kind of shoes? Capizios. Capizios. I'm rocking the script, baby. You don't know. My name is Mark Aaronsberg. I got my podcast. Listen to me. Check me out. Here we go, baby. This is gonna last. So you're in this band called Snooze? What? The Snooze. The yeah. Snooze. Yeah, Did, me. How, yeah. And you were playing at Cooks, played which at Cooks. was uh, Taroko is now Taroko. Yes. And what kind of place was it? Is that Taroko? It's the one across the street. Yeah. Yeah. Is that sushi? Yeah. I like and sushi. other stuff. Yeah. Have you eaten there before? Probably. I think. Yeah. Back when. Taroko is only about it's about maybe five years old. I really want to like I want to eat there. I'll take you there to eat. That'd be nice. No, no problem, dude. I'd, I'd appreciate that. I know you would. No, I would too. I've been there for a while, and actually, I think their food's pretty damn good. We should go there and eat. Let's go. Okay, so you're in a band called the Snooze. Yes. Who else is in the band with you? Well, the one, the only Jacob Ackerman. He was in the band with you? Yes. Oh, Back hey. then? Yeah, yeah. You've known him that long? Since high school. Holy shit, I had no idea. Yeah, he's the dope machine right there. He's like, he's a maestro of the bass and life and music, really. He's very thoughtful. Mm -hmm. Just a great, he's a great guy. Mm. And super fucking wicked talented on the bass. Oh, man. dude. And the guitar, Ooh. too. You know, he was yeah. playing guitar with us. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea you guys kind of grew up together. Yeah, yeah. So it was just you and he, and were you guys singing originals, or what were you doing? We were doing covers at the time. Like yeah. We did um, uh, Sultans of Swing, Dire Straits. We did um, Chili Peppers, Brothers, the Brothers Cup. Uh huh. And then we did... Uh, That's my favorite band, by the way. Yeah, they're, they're freaking rad. You're going to tell that story, right? Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> you got a few of those, don't you? Yeah. 
You know, you you know, you scream, you want financial independence. You're in this dumpy little fucking town with a tiny music scene. Who gets to play the main stage of Brit and open for Rick Springfield? Mm. But you know, you're still in a town where they don't pay money for music. Mm. So if you want financial independence, I'm going to say you need to get out of here or do something else for money. Dishes. No. That's not the highest paying job in Ashland. I did, I did dishes with Mark Anthony. How long did you play with uh, uh, Jacob? Oh, I've been jamming with him basically since we were, well, since he picked up the bass. I was, I was down in Albany. What? Did, did you play here first? Yeah, we were living up near the university. In a band. That's so you? You mean the university yeah, here? Yeah, in a yeah. band house. And we once took a bass and we, you know, we wanted to be rock stars, get a feel of what it's like. So we took a bass out in the night and tried to smash it, you know, because, you know, rock stars, some smash. Right. But the thing was hard to break. We, we threw it up in the air. Was it a Rickenbacker? I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, probably. And it just would not break. We are like, on TV or whatever, they're just smashing up the guitars. It looks easy. These things are sturdy. Yeah. And so, anyway. Um, but, he, you know, he played me Santana, Oyakomova for the first time. I heard that in oh. his living room, and I was like, changed man. And, uh, and uh, So yeah. he self-taught musician as well gosh i don't know because he was down in the bay area for a bit i was living with him in albany and then he albany went, california yeah 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 and then he started studying with some gospel cats and some jazz cats funk like the bay area is so profoundly rich, rich with yeah, that, yeah, yeah. those styles and like and then now he's you know and then you hear him now and he's got like all these polyrhythms and and he, he doesn't just talk about him he plays him yeah whether he's playing a zeppelin you know don't worry, Jake. I don't want any money. You're just really good. <laughs> no, yeah. but I mean, I seen him on stage. You know, at the in Grants Pass when Love Bite was um, playing the Zeptrix thing. Did you, you did you do any of the Zeptrix with them? Yeah, I did a little, and then they they allowed featured me or allowed me to whatever blessed me to play a couple songs with them that night, and yeah. that was so freaking fun. You know, Jeff Pivar. Yeah, of course. <laughs> One of the best in the world. In you know? the world. All right, so you're playing with Jacob. In this band, how long did you guys do that? Not very long, unfortunately, because I think the drummer moved. Uh, Who was your drummer? Joe, a brilliant like drummer and motorcyclist, and really gregarious, great guy. Yeah. And, and uh, we chilled in the Bay Area a little bit longer, and then he's just a really good dude. So you were playing in the Bay Area. You weren't playing here. We were here, and then Joe moved, and Jacob moved, I moved. We all moved to the Bay Area, but we kind of did different things. Uh, and then my brother, Mike, was in the band, and that was the fun kind of aspect, because... <laughs> Well, oh, and we had Olivia, the singer, and we really gave it a, a good sound. And, and that was one of my earlier performances when I was so nervous. I was like in the pool room. I couldn't really even be in Cooks at the time because I was under 18. And I was like, doo, doo, doo. just, I really did all these warm ups for like maybe half an hour on the street in the pool room, just like, and that really helped, I think. Maybe I'm just telling, reminding so were, myself. So you were 17, about 17 at yeah, the time? Things, yeah. And you and Jacob were the same age. So you were all about the same age? Yeah, little kids. So your guys were just young youngsters yeah, doing punks. this. Yeah. Wow. That's fun. That's cool, man. And then you all moved. You all ended up moving to the Bay Area. Mike went to U of O, and I think me, Joe, Jake went to the Bay Area, but maybe at like slightly different months, times, or whatever, because mm-hmm. I was going to different schools. Yeah. And then I and then I was in a band called Poon Tango, uh, which we later changed the name to Mutton for Punishment because it was just like not that. PC or not even not PC. You mean the just, Poontang part? Yeah, that's pretty offensive. Is it? I think so. But then again, it was rock and roll, you know. But like, but it was a great. What about Thunder Pussy? That's what. That's, Is that the name of a band? Yeah, that's a band that fucking Sylvia's recording. Oh wow. No, they're not local. Oh. 
Pussy Galore. That was another band in the 80s. Wow. But, okay, so the band... Poontang, you changed your name to Mutton... something. Uh, gl- no, not gl- Mutton for Punishment. Mutton for Punishment. That's funny. It was funny. a cool illustration. Yeah, it was like a little lamb. Really small with big, big boxing gloves. And he was like, he had just gotten hit. And he was like seeing stars or something. And it was like, this lamb is not going to... Anyway. So who was in that band? That would be Latif Van Lowe. T-Bone is his name. Uh, well, I just knew him for years. Just know him for, as T-Bone. He now plays for Year of the Dragon. Which, mm. you know, they like opened up for the Chili's Peppers at the Staples Center or something. Latif Van Lowe. Oh, Brian. I forget his second name on drums. Just really good like jazz fusion rock drummer. And Doug McDonald uh, was the singer. And he had such cool style, man. The dude wore like a clown outfit or something for one of the gigs and we were rock, like little rockers right we just threw everything into the we're all baked drunk high coke smoke rush whatever you know acid well i didn't do acid then i had a bad trip before so anyway so we were like just gone and totally devoted i'm not speaking for the other people in the band i excuse me i just like in in backing up i was baked high and maybe on a coke smoke or something and I, coke what, smoke yeah, that's where you put cocaine in the top of the cigarette. I, you don't have to tell okay, me. Okay, all right. So I'm anyway. fully familiar with yeah and stuff like that. I and just never heard the term. Right, coke smoke. Uh, but but so yeah, I'd have some, some kind of like extra inspiration at the time in the past here in the past. Yeah. So I was getting through in my own whatever way, uh, young crazy, blowing off his good education, a good school that I don't know how I got into Berkeley, man. You went to Berkeley? Yeah. Did you go to, and did you do music in Berkeley? No, uh, fine arts. I don't know how I got in there. On my SATs, I only got barely above fifty percent. Yeah, but you must have demonstrated something. Went to this beautiful school, and I went. Yeah. And uh, it was good. It was really good education. Like seriously, like just the TAs alone. Like I don't even know what that stands for. Technical assist- assistant. Yeah. Like brilliant. You know, I'm sitting there trying to read a thesis about Rodin or something. I'm freaking out because I have two days to turn in a paper, and I meet the TA, and they're like, "Well, you just." That was cool, man. That was mm. cool. But at the same time, I was partying so hard, so I kind of... I don't have regrets. There's a couple stories you got to tell before we end this thing, so... And you know what I'm talking about. Which ones? Well, I guess you auditioned for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, did you not? Oh, yeah. Why don't you tell the people about that? Okay, so the Chili Peppers... Um, How'd they find you, first of all? They ran an ad in the... It was before I was suicidal. <laughs> so, no, I, I'm, I'm kidding. In retrospect, because I'm here now, you know, I can laugh. I can laugh about of that. Of course. <laughs> We're going to be taking that But you did become, you did uh, take that on afterwards. Not like specifically yeah, from, but. Oh, oh, the chili peppers or the suicidal depression? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I manifest, you know, it's like, it is what it is. Let's, let's first, let's hear about <laughs> the chili peppers. And then we can roll into your suicidal tendencies. <laughs> That's a good band. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, so the Chili Peppers, yeah, they ran an ad, West Coast Papers. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm young, uh, sponta- more spontaneous for me at the time. How old were you at the time? Uh, maybe, like, I graduated Berkeley 94, so the, uh, mid-20s, maybe? Okay. Something like that, yeah. early 20s? Yeah. And uh, mid mid-20, late-20s? Okay. So I get in my car, my 82 Honda Accord, and I fly down to L.A. because it's an ad. It's like, be here to audition for the Chili Peppers. It's like, oh, okay. You drove from San Francisco to L.A. to yeah. go to this audition. Yeah, I did okay. that a lot because, like, the L.A. music scene, my friends in the music circles, they're like, you got it. Like, L.A., you got Scott Henderson, 
Alan Holsworth. You got GI Guitar Institute of Technology. Like there's like Carlos Rios is down there. Uh, the, and they had a beautiful rehearsal space. Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was Chili Peppers, right? Where there, was it? I don't know. Like in a flat part of LA. Okay. I don't, I don't know. But it, but it was all spray painted, tagged. The whole thing. Yeah. It was really cool. Outside or inside? I think the both. Okay. Uh, and so there's a line of guitar players. I heard they did audition 4,000 players that oh, weekend. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was insane. So I get in line. There's a dude there who's wearing all pink with a pink guitar. I'm like, this is cool. And then there's a guy in front of me. He's got tats everywhere. I'm like, you should get the part, man. You're just so cool, dude. You should get this part. And he's playing. I'm like, dude, you're like a chili pepper. Or maybe that was a Limp Biscuit audition. Another guy, he's like, tats. He's playing this Limp Biscuit music. I'm like, dude, you should just, you're on it. And I don't know why they didn't. Anyway, I'm sitting there kind of nervous, but just like going with this fun flow of seeing this big tagged, you know, rehearsal space. It's the Chili Peppers. And I'm just a kid, like, playing my guitar, doodling, doodling, doodling. In the line, we're all doodling. And then I get in there, and it's not the actual members, it's the tech, the yeah. bass tech and the guitar tech, but it's videotaped at the time. Mm-hmm. And I walk through the door, I'm scared, and I plug in to this nice guitar rig, and they're just like, the bass tech starts laying down a groove. He's like, just jam. And so I start jamming, and they're like, cool, man, cool. Can you come back on Monday? And um, <clears throat> I don't tell many people this. I usually say, uh, that they got a guitar player over the weekend, which they did. Like in the next week, they got a guitar player from LA, right. and he got the gig. And then Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction got the gig. And then John Fushante, the original, well, one of the original guitar players is who is now with them, I believe, got the gig again. But like, I get asked back, like it's a Friday, can you come back Monday? And I go, um, can I get back to you on that? <laughs> I literally told. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, if I didn't, you know, all I had was like some number to call. And I did call the number. I got back to them, but needless to say, they didn't call me back. But I, because I had a, this was my thinking. And this doesn't happen now. Like, you know, I, I played the Rick Springfield gig. And uh, I tend to say yes to big opportunities as a musician now. But it's, I, can I get back to you? Because I had a, I had a gig on Sunday. And uh, right. I blew off rock stardom so I could, but you know, maybe it was okay. I'm here now. Yeah. And didn't you drop your pick in another audition for that, somebody yeah. else? That's the Limp Biscuit audition. Yeah, I go up there and Fred Durst is, you know, it's the it's Limp Biscuit. They're, you know, they're pursuing their passion. So I'm in line, same thing. And I'm like, what? How do you play this kind of music? I'm asking the guys, because I don't know, it's like hip hop and it's like rock. And I'm like, and the guy says, in front of me, it's, just, it's soft and it's loud. It's soft and it's loud. So I'm like, oh, cool. So I started devising like a, audition piece yeah and then i get in and and i mean they're they're going national tour for looking for this guitar player and and i'm sitting there i'm like yeah i got this i got this and there's like 10 like industry heavies i don't know it's you know just sitting there looking watching and uh, and i don't think i even plugged in i'm like dude i'm doing my thing and all of a sudden my pick goes phone and i lost i dropped my pick so I, I smile and nervously laugh a little, pick up the pick, finish the audition. I didn't get a call back on that, but uh, I have that story to tell. Yeah. Well, you got an audition. You went in. Yeah. All right, yeah. Your guitar playing is absolutely stellar, dude. Thanks, man. And, and just so people know, we were in a band together called The Stamps. Oh, yeah. Robbie Lindauer and Joey Capeza. Yeah. And uh, we played a lot of cool 80s and 90s covers and a lot of originals. Played all over town. That's right. 
And uh, were you with the first, very first, uh, no, it was just the three of us before you. Yeah. Uh, my very first professional music gig was at the Goose on New Year's Eve in 2000, whatever the fuck that was. Mm-hmm. And it was Robbie and I and Joe. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first Stamps thing, I think. I think that was the first iteration of the Stamps. And then, of course, it changed and different people and different drummers and different guitar players. But I really enjoyed that iteration with you a lot. Thanks. It was pretty amazing to be playing the cajon and the hi-hat and sitting next to you and just watching you fucking rip on the guitar, man. Rip on the guitar. Super fun. Some of my favorite memories of this town is when we we played music together, for sure. Thanks, man. Yeah. I don't miss it because I did it, so there's yeah, nothing yeah. to miss. Uh, but that was pretty cool. I know you got to get rolling to meet uh, Jeffrey. Yeah. You guys got a rehearsal for tomorrow's gig. Tomorrow's gig, yeah. Yeah, and uh, this will be played way well after. after so happens, okay, so. I got to think of every Wednesday at X Nahilo, a restaurant just down the street, uh, Guanajuato Way. Six to eight o'clock. Oh, that's the new place. Yeah. On the end of the of the walkway, uh, next to Sesame, sandwiched in between Sesame and uh, the loft, I believe yeah. it is. Is what's it? What's the name of this place? Ex Nahilo. Ex Nahilo. International Fair. So you do that every Wednesday? Every Wednesday, starting on September sixth, and then I just got a new album out, Lifeline. And much love to you, Mr. Ahrensberg, and thank you very much for letting me be on your show of Radness today. And I think we covered maybe like 70 subjects? I think we, we did a we kind of did a scatter shot across the board of things, but I, I think we got a good idea who you is. And uh, Buckshot. And, and people should come out and, and see you play, because you'll, you'll blow their fucking shit away. And I hope, I'm hoping to see the show, the new show you're going to do, that's improv. All right. I'm looking for the improv show. That's going to be you improv style. That's going to be fucking yeah. awesome, dude. Why don't you give us a little going out music? show i hope you enjoyed it it was really fun to have some live music in my apartment and add that dynamic to the show and i think that'll come up a lot more often in the future it was great to have steven and jeff right here with their instruments entertaining me serenading me playing music for me it was fantastic and they're both characters in their own rights and have had a very interesting experience on this planet 
Uh, I want to thank you for coming and listening. I mean, you didn't have to come over here or anything. It was easy enough to just go to Aaronsburg.com and click on the link that takes you to my show, Citizen 44. It's a pleasure to do the show for you, and I will continue to do the show until I'm physically incapable of doing it. And hopefully, that will not happen anytime soon. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've put quite a bit of work into this, and I hope that shows in the end result. I also hope that you're entertained at least a little bit by what I'm doing. And at the most, I hope that you're finding out a little bit more about some people in my community as well as myself. As far as raising money for my trip, you know, I own the domain rizzledizzle.com. And I have sent a message through Instagram and through Snoop Dogg's management that I have this for sale. And uh, so I'm not looking for something for nothing, but of all the people I know, Snoop Dogg should own RizzleDizzle.com. So if you are connected to him in any way, please let him know that I have this for him in exchange for some monetary compensation to go directly my hernia procedure and trip to Thailand. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your week. Much love and word to your mother's uncle. To find out more about Jeff Stanley and what's going on with him musically, please find him online at jeffstanley.net. That's J-E-F-F-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y.net. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's only one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. I am Citizen 44.